0: Good morning. Uh, let me add to Pastor Jackie's welcome. It's great to have you uh, with us at church this morning. Uh, whether you're watching this live or you're watching this uh, at a different time, it's great that you've chosen once again to to um, to come together um, virtually, um, but significantly as we continue to to worship together and hear God's word together. Um, we're really praying and hoping that we'll be able to meet together soon in some sorts of ways, but. Until then, uh, we're continuing to be the church, continuing to to love Jesus, to love each other, and to reach the lost. And and I pray and encourage you in in whatever uh, way that you can to to continue to do those things. Um, We might not be able to organise uh, church events. We might not be able to uh, have gatherings at the building. But under the current restrictions, you may be able to. Get together with a couple of people at a park or, or outside somewhere and, and, and see people face-to-face and, and invite maybe some people that you haven't seen for a while. Uh, and as we all do that, we'll all feel and be more connected to one another. So don't wait for a church um, organised event. Continue to, to do them uh, informally and, and meet together and pray together and encourage each other as you can, as you feel comfortable uh, and as the restrictions allow you to. Well this morning uh, we're going to be starting a new series, it's always exciting starting a new series Um, and for the next few weeks uh, we're going to do a series called Stories of Old Uh, and we're going to be looking at um, some Old Testament stories, um, uh, a different one each week, some familiar, maybe some uh, not so familiar Uh, and just really leaning into what the story is teaching us about, primarily about God, um, his plan for us and what he wants to encourage us or challenge us with. And so this morning, I've, I've chosen a well-known story to kick us off. Um, and you can find it in Genesis 6. And everyone knows Genesis 6 is a story of, you guessed it, hopefully, Noah. All right, so let's read it. Genesis 6, I'm going to read from verse 5 to 22. It says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But no one found favour with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at that time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided to to destroy all living creatures. For they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct the decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 450, sorry, 45 feet high. that will be a tall boat. Leave an 18 inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I'll confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird. And every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did exactly as God had commanded him. Let's pray together. God, we thank you uh, for being with us this morning. We thank you that we can be with you and that, that we can hear your voice. And God, I pray this morning that we might hear your voice afresh. God, that we might encounter you in your word. Uh, and God, wherever we find ourselves, whatever season of life, God, that you would encourage us through your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. don't know about you, but when I'm um, driving on the road, one of the things that I find irritating is is roadworks. Uh, especially when you're on a long trip and you're trying to make good time, you're watching the GPS and you're seeing the estimated time of arrival and you see it tick down a minute, you know, you're supposed to arrive at 4.30 and then suddenly it ticks down to 4.29 and you think, good, I'm making better time than Google anticipated anticipated I would. Uh, But then, of course, you hit the roadworks and you have to slow right down to 40 kilometres an hour and sometimes you look around and you think, where are these roadworks? It just looks like someone's set up cones, put some signs off Signs up and then gone off and had a laugh at all these cars slowing down. But, you know, whenever someone's doing some roadworks, hopefully, and I always wonder this, you know, they're building a roundabout in the middle of um, MacArthur Street, in the middle of uh, Town in Sale here at the moment, and it just looks like they're cutting up the road willy-nilly and pouring concrete and chopping trees down left, right and centre, and then they've got these wiggly spray-paned lines on the, on the road, and you sort of wonder, how do they know... How to build this road and where to put things and how it's going to look and of course there's a plan um, of course there's some sort of uh, picture of what it's going to be the end has already been thought um, up the, the end is already there and they're just working towards that end towards that plan um, you know if, if we were to build a if they were to build a, a highway from sale to somewhere it would be no use for the roadworks just to start building a highway and just think well, let's just go, let's just find some land and, and build a highway and see where it takes us. Uh, that would be completely useless and pointless and they might end up somewhere they might not. Um, but before they start digging, before they start all the works, of course, they need the plan, they need the end in they need to know where the road's going, where the highway is going, because it changes everything. It changes the destination. Uh, sorry, the destination changes everything. You know, I think in the same way, God's future, God's plan... Um, determines the past, determines the steps that we take to get there. God doesn't look uh, like we do from beginning to end. You know, we can't see what tomorrow will bring. We can't see what next week will bring. Uh, But he knows the end result and he he knows how he wants to get us there. And so when we see the Old Testament and, and through all these stories that we're going to look at, over the next few weeks we know it's part of a greater plan we know there's a bigger picture involved it's not just a random act in history but uh, it's something that God has is using It's part of the highway to get to God's planned future history is not some random path worked by people without a compass or direction it's a highway that goes from creation to deliverance history is going somewhere And we've got verses that back this up. Psalm 139 verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10. Remember the things I've done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. So at the beginning of history... God saw the end of history. And God runs history, if you like, from the future. He stands at the end of the highway and guides the crew to where he wants it to end up. So the highway reaches its intended spot. So whenever we look at these historical events, we need to see that they're part of a bigger history. Part of a bigger story, sorry. Uh, And we must take into consideration the future, what God is doing, the purpose of that story. And so I want to look through four lessons I think God would want us to learn from the, the story of Noah and the ark, uh, amongst many other things we might. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a story about how to build a boat um, or how to look after animals. Uh, I don't think there's the main those sorts of things are the main purposes. I think there's something that God is trying to show us about himself, something that God is trying to show us about humans, about us and what the answer is. So the first thing I would say that we learn, first observation is this, that the human heart is evil. The human heart is evil. The natural condition, if you like, of human hearts is evil. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time a mother conceived me. Normally when we think of sin or being sinful, we think of it as an external thing. A thing that we do, or perhaps a thing we don't do. But this verse and and this idea is saying that sin is much deeper than that. It's not something that we do or don't do, but rather a condition of our heart. A condition of who we are. Right from when we were conceived. In the account of the flood in the story we just read, the Lord observed in Genesis 6 verse 5 the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagine was consistently and totally evil. And now when we first read that, we think, wow, that's a maybe an exaggeration. I don't think everything that we think is totally and consistently evil. But when we're separated from God, when we are not living in covenant relationship with him, everything we do, I think it's in Isaiah, it says, even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the good things we do are compared to the holiness of God, compared to the perfection of God, are sinful. The, the, the thoughts of the heart were evil all the time. This is big news and this is bad news. It goes on, Genesis 6, we just read, and talks about this idea of corruption. Now God saw that the earth had been, become corrupt and was filled with violence. He observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. And God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living things, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I'll wipe them out and cut them, cut along. Sorry, I'll wipe them all out along with the earth. I think, you know, whenever we see this idea of repeated, any word repeated in the Bible, it's there for emphasis. Uh, they didn't use an exclamation mark or emojis like we might do today. Instead, they would use repetition. Uh, so. We see that the earth was corrupted inside. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. and People on the earth had corrupted their ways. There was a lot of corruption. And this problem was big and deep and uh, unsolvable. And then in an almost poetic turn of language, it says, God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures. And we don't get the poetry in this, but... Every time that word corrupt is used, it's one particular word. And that word destroy is the exact same word. And so everything is sort of on this downward spiral. And then God says, I'm going to turn it back on you. I'm going to destroy them. And so then, of course, the the flood happens. And if you know your Bible, if you know the story, and if you've heard the the story of uh, Noah and his ark, uh, you know the flood happens in the they find dry land after many, many days and months. And you think, well, problem solved. Now it's just Noah, a righteous man. What could go wrong? But we know that it didn't improve. It, things didn't get better. That it wasn't a problem that was solved. Genesis 8 verse 21 says, The Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood i'll never just again destroy all things so the flood didn't change god's perspective on man it didn't change our moral condition it hasn't improved noah sins after the flood another way we can see that there's no improvement is this idea in genesis 9 Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard, and when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. And again, we have this understanding through that story that sin is still there. Sin is in Noah, the righteous, blameless person. And so we learn, the first lesson of this, is that the human heart is evil. We are sinners, and sin deserves punishment. And the problem is not so much with our actions as it is with our heart. Second thing I want to observe in this story is that sin grieves God. Sin grieves God. This story shows us, perhaps for the first time, God's response to sin at an emotional level. And this is, I think, something maybe we we don't think about enough. Uh, Often we think... um, of when we sin that God's reaction is rage or anger or wrath and that's right there is, there is an element of that but in this story that is not God's first reaction. God's first reaction is not anger or rage or wrath. His initial response to sin is sorrow sadness regret. We see that God is grieved to his heart Genesis 6.6 6 said so the Lord was very sorry he made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Most of the time when we think about sin, we think of it in a transactional way. We sin, we disobey, we fail to obey, and that sin creates guilt and deserves punishment. And it's true that that's part of the effect of sin, but the other part of sin is it's a personal thing. And we need to see it in its correct light. Sin is primarily a a relational problem. Sin is personal. God is our father. He's our dad. And uh, and our rebellion, our sinfulness, doesn't just create anger, but creates sadness and deep pain. Our sin causes pain for the father heart of God. It causes pain because he loves us and he has a better way for us to be and a better way for us to live. And when we choose another way, we miss the fullness of life and the purposes he has for us. For those of us that have children, we know what this pain feels like. We know what this sadness feels like. When our child chooses to do something other than what we've told them, we don't feel straight away angry, although we may feel that sometimes. But we feel sad that they didn't listen to us because they do not trust us, that, that we love them and we have a better way for them to live, a better way for them to be. That everything that we do for them is because of our love for them. Hopefully. So sin grieves God is the second thing. The third observation is this. That Noah wasn't righteous. He was graced. He wasn't righteous. He was graced. Probably one of the easiest traps to fall into when reading a story of Noah. And a lot of Old Testament stories for this matter. Is that there's bad people and there's good people. And the moral story is be good, not bad. If you're a good person, God will save you. If you're a bad person, God won't. The problem when we take stories like this and we make them about being good and not being bad is that that's not the gospel. That's anti-gospel. Noah wasn't righteous. He was a sinner. And we need to be careful to read this account and read this story in the correct order that the Holy Spirit wrote it down for us. It's very deliberate, I think. Let's have a look here again. Genesis 6. I'm going to read from 5, verse 5 to 9 again. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created, the animals, the birds, the creatures. I regret that I've made them, but Noah I found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah. He was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So, first we see is that sin is in the human hearts across the earth; that every person was only evil all the time, inclusive of Noah, inclusive of his family. He was just one of the sinners at the time, one of the evil men that caused pain to God. And then it says, Noah found grace, or This translation says Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord, verse 8. And this confirms that Noah didn't start as a righteous man, but Noah was graced. He was favoured. And the only difference between Noah and the other people on the earth was the grace that came through his faith. The grace that came through his faith. And how do we know that that's how Noah's um, righteousness came? How his grace came to him was through faith. It tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah received grace through faith. Everyone was a sinner in Noah's day, just like everyone is a sinner in our day. God didn't have a good person to work with on his highway of redemption. He worked as he always has done by redeeming a sinner through grace. And we see that the outworking of that grace is the righteousness that Noah received and that he lived with, that he lived by. Genesis 6 verse 9, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. The effect of grace is huge in Noah's life. And the great news for you and for me is that Noah, although he was a bad guy, received God's grace. And that same God still does the same thing today. So three things we've observed so far. The human heart is evil. Sin grieves God. Noah wasn't righteous. He was graced. The fourth and final thing is this, that God makes a covenant. God makes a covenant with Noah, with us. The most hopeful aspect, I think, of this story comes with the first use of this word covenant. The flood seems pointless. The flood seems to accomplish nothing ultimately, but anticipates the greatest covenant that is to come. And we know that through the story, uh, the covenant comes through the rainbow. We see the rainbow today and we are reminded of this covenant, of this promise that God will not flood the earth again. God establishes a covenant through one man who is going to preserve the entire human race. And I think the point of this story of Noah is to point forward to a better covenant to show us uh, of what God is planning to do further down the highway in the future. It points, it reveals our sin. It shows us the heart of God. It warns us of deserved punishment. It anticipates the offer of new creation. It shows us how of being made right, being made righteous in God's sight through faith. It's an appetizer, if you like, of the greatest covenant, the most glorious covenant to come. We read about this new, better covenant in many places, but one place I want to read to you from is here in Hebrews 8, verse 1 to 12 says this here is the main point we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic god in heaven there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle the true place of worship that was built by the lord and not by human hands. and since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices our high priest makes us must make an offering too if he were here on earth he would not Even be a priest, since there are already priests who offer the gifts of the the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning Be careful, sorry, be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand of the out of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbours, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. I think Noah points us towards this better covenant. It shows us, our desperate state towards God, before God, it, the punishment that our, our sin truly deserves, the condition of our heart. The newcomer says, I'll be their God that will be my people. I'll put my laws on their minds and I'll write them on their hearts. I'll deal with the, the root issue. I'll change them from an old to new. This story shows us the heart of God. One that is ultimately grieved and saddened by sin, but one that is full of grace and full of unending love to redeem us back to himself. It shows us a completely gracious God who gives mercy and makes people righteous and uses them for his work of redemption. You might look at this story and you might think to yourself, um, I'm not like Noah, I'm not blameless, I'm not righteous. I couldn't be used the way that God used Noah. I'm not that kind of guy, I'm not that kind of girl. And you're right, you're not. But God is that sort of God that uses the sorts of you and me to accomplish his purposes, to accomplish his mission. He requires you to have faith, to see the scripture, to grow in faith, faith for your righteousness and faith for obedience, to see Jesus and to grow in faith. God can and wants to give you this grace. Not so that you are just blameless, but so that you can contribute to this highway of redemption. You don't have to wait till you are good enough. You're ready as you are. God wanted to take you on this journey of obedience and growth. But it happens as you go, not before. Often we think we have to get ready and then we can go. Then God will use us. But we see that Noah just found favour. He exercised his faith and he still wasn't perfect, even after being used by God, for such an amazing task. He was still faultless. He He still had faults. He still was on a journey of growth. And God wants to use us, no matter where we find ourselves before him, to continue to grow us, to continue to use us in our failures, in our successes, to change us, to grow us. So I want to encourage you this morning to keep believing by faith that you are righteous before God. And keep living by faith and take the steps of obedience Steps of obedience towards the plans that God has for you. I believe that he wants to use you. He wants to use me. In this town, this region, to reach people that don't yet know Jesus. It's not just going to happen. He wants to use us. He wants us to be a part of his plan. But we need to exercise our faith. To continue to believe that he has made us righteous before him. And that the steps that he's asking us to do, he will come through on he will accomplish his purposes through us and through our lives let me pray for you this morning God we thank you for your word we thank you for the encouragement it is we thank you for Noah that that you found him righteous that you gave him grace and God that you extend that same grace to us today through Jesus and God I pray that that we'd be encouraged to, to go as we are to grow as we go God, that you would take um, this season, this time in history and use a little church, a little people group in in sale to, to reach people for you, to share the good news of Jesus. And God, we thank you for all that you want to do and all that you are to us and to this community. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us again this morning. If you're watching this um, on Sunday morning, then jump onto the Zoom after party. It'd be great to see you there. Meet some new people, see some old faces, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week otherwise. Have a great week.